2: Hello,
3: Captains. You're listening to episode 328 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, July 27th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, July 31st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And it's good to be back, because in the audio booth, ...is our audio engineer, Winters. So we've got a lot to cover. Tony, why don't you give us a brief recap?
2: This week we dive a little deeper into all the discovering news that came from San Diego Comic-Con last week... ...and preview next week's issue of Entertainment Weekly, which features three variant covers of the new series... In Star Trek Online news, we've got the latest rewards for the featured episode, Brush Fire, and we're discussing the new Endeavor system, plus a new lockbox has landed on console. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open up Hailing Frequencies for your incoming messages.
4: Captains, you know we love to keep the conversation going between our episodes, so please reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Priority One Pod, or you can even send us an email directly to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com.
3: Captains, the last seven years of producing Priority One Podcast has been an honor and a privilege. And for many of those years, we would not have been able to do that without your support. Thanks to you through various campaigns like Indiegogo and now Patreon. You can continue to offer your support so that we can continue to improve on the show. For instance, upgrading equipment that we can take with us to conventions like the upcoming Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Visit us at Patreon.com to find out how you can contribute and what awesome perks might be available to you at different tiers. Again, that's Patreon.com forward slash one. And as
2: always, we
3: thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Before we move on with the show,
2: we've got some big announcements that we want to share with you. As you know, this week is Creation Entertainment's massive five-day Star Trek convention at the Rio Hotel in Las Vegas. This year, unfortunately, we won't have as many of the Priority One team members there as we've had in years past, but Kenna and Elijah will be there at the Roddenberry Podcast table with Women at Warp all week long.
4: Now we don't have any major events planned like we did last year, like the laser tag, but... That doesn't mean that we aren't looking forward to catching up with anybody who's going. So if you're listening to this on your way to Vegas, be sure to visit us at Island 4 in the Vendor Hall, right across from Mission Log Podcast and the Roddenberry booth. Please stop by and say hi. Additionally, Priority One and Star Trek Online are teaming up for a panel on Thursday, August the 3rd at 9.45am in the main theater, moderated by Elijah, titled Expanding Star Trek Story with Star Trek Online. Executive producer Stephen Ricosa, producer Maria Rosso, and lead artist Michael Panov. We'll chat with Elijah about how they create content that expands the universe for one of the most iconic sci-fi franchises of all time.
2: Now, they usually announce something cool or do a nifty giveaway, so this panel is a a must-attend.
0: And just before we start the show, a little reminder again that we're always looking for members of the Priority One listener community to join the team and help contribute to our little corner of the galaxy. We're currently looking for audio editors... If you think you might be interested, send us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
3: Now, let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse.
0: Then let's Trek it out.
3: All right, we've got a lot to cover this week in the Trek multiverse. And joining us is Star Trek Online's Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. Thanks for joining us this week, Al.
1: How you doing, Elijah? It's good. good to get to see you guys again. I'll see you next week, right? I will see you next week. Who's going? Who am I going to see next week? I'm going to be there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday only. Um, but okay. I'll be there. Uh, I'm getting in pretty early on Wednesday and leaving pretty late on, on Friday, so I'll be there for for you know largely full That's three the good
4: days. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, cool. Should be, be there for Discovery Day. Yeah.
1: Discovery Day and and, and, uh, and, ST and Star Trek Online panel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what about you guys? Who's going?
4: Uh me and Elijah.
2: Okay.
3: Yep. And Henry and also be there, yep.
1: Who else? Yep. What'd you say?
3: Henry, our graphic artist will also be there, there today. That
0: All right. You're gonna be there the same time I am? Right? Obviously yes. you'll be there Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: We're both getting
4: it on Monday.
0: They're gonna have a cardboard cut out of me and they're gonna bring it round <laughs> apparently. <laughs> for an I extra free was, drink.
4: I think we might be just like a like an A four size paper. Probably <laughs> black and white, because ain't nobody got time for
3: color you know anybody got the extra 50 cents <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so but yeah so we're, we're looking forward to seeing you there at uh, star trek las vegas and i am yep. honored to be um moderating the star trek online panel this year so that's that's exciting super exciting
1: yes super exciting i'm very i'm very glad to to see that uh it's been too long since we kind of reached out to you know community folks uh and podcasters to be working on the panels. Uh, many years ago, we had GNT. I guess I don't know if Terry show was even on GNT at the time. She was on different podcasts. But uh, and we've worked with Trek Radio and before. And so having you there, that's great. Very excited about that. Thank you. Um, we're gonna. Uh, I guess by the time this airs, I, I think they already released the schedule. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they released the entire schedule, but we'll have no. a pretty, yep. pretty, pretty nice present there. We'll have a booth. We'll have a panel. We'll have a meet the devs. Um, information about that will come out soon Um, probably doing a few other things i'm not sure it's been released i won't say too much
3: excellent Mm -hmm. wonderful well we look forward to it all right let's get into some trek news san diego comic-con was huge for star trek discovery and we learned a great deal from panels press junkets and now a new feature in this week's entertainment weekly First and foremost, we want to direct your attention to our friends over at TrekMovie.com, who worked tirelessly over the weekend to cover the new series' presence at the convention. Now, Perhaps one of the strongest themes that the actors and producers repeated time and again was that the show will be serialized, and that, instead of episodes that have a neat beginning, middle, and end, we will be taken on a 15-episode journey. Imagine, if you will, if best of both worlds and the Borg conflict wasn't just a two-parter, but an entire season of The Next Generation. In Discovery, we're at war with the Klingons. And despite breaking some of Gene Roddenberry's cardinal rules about conflict, Kurtzman had this to say, quote, Star Trek has always been a mirror to the time it reflected, and right now, the idea that... The question is, how do you preserve and protect what Starfleet is? In the weight of challenge like war... And the things that have been done in war is a very interesting and dramatic problem, end quote.
4: So that was another thing that was frequently repeated, that Discovery was going to address the current sociopolitical issues of 2017 and not shy away from them. When asked about coming from The Walking Dead, Sonequa Martin-Green felt that the dynamics are not so dissimilar, quote... I just feel that all high-quality stories are gritty because life is gritty, so in that way I don't see that much difference." When asked about the delays, Kurtzman had this to say, "...the line between film and television is blurring, to the point where it is non-existent now so the show has to look like a movie, especially again because we're asking people to pay for it, it has to define itself as unique."
3: So we we had the panel, and you can actually watch the full panel either on on CBS.com. They actually have it in four parts. Um, really interesting panel. I mean, I, this was exciting to watch, and I really enjoyed it. Um, we got to hear more from certain people than others, which mm-hmm. is natural. It was a big panel; it had a lot of people on there. But I I particularly enjoyed. Like those two themes that they were driving home. one, that it's serialized. So the characters aren't gonna forget what the mission was last week and start all over again from scratch. But we knew yeah. that and that's and I think that's exciting storytelling, especially for Star Trek now. And then the second thing was one of the you know one of the big issues that's been hitting the Star Trek fan base is this whole thing about Michael Burnham being Spock's surrogate sibling. Mm-hmm. So now in the in the panel, Kurtzman acknowledges that at, right now there's nothing in Canon to support the claim that Sarek had adopted a human child
4: mm-hmm.
3: but my argument is Star Trek 5 oh good argument
2: everybody think like, that everybody because if, 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 if Star Trek 5 did it it must be awesome.
4: Would you please elucidate that <laughs> argument?
2: <laughs> Gonna need a little bit
3: more there. <laughs> so Star Trek 5, we are introduced to Spock's half-brother Cybok, who is an emotionally charged nutjob, and there was never any mention of him in in canon. There was never any mention of him in the original series. Spock never said, "Well, you know, we all have a half-brother, but we don't we don't talk about him. He's 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 Spocko kind of thing." Um <laughs> So, right. So I don't have, you know, like... I, it, Kurtzman then went on to say, look, guys, we get it. It's not in canon, but we're going to tell a story
1: and it's it going to make sense. <laughs> Picard yeah, had so. a brother. That was red, that, was red it's not, that came out of nowhere all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, Picard has a brother.
4: Right, The mm, whole family, yeah. It showed up well, in one
1: episode all of a sudden and that was it. And it was the
2: beginning of season four.
1: Right? Okay, halfway through the season... No, no, it was...
4: No, I'm mean, halfway through. Halfway episode. through the
1: series, yeah. All right, yeah. You know, he has a brother, and no one questioned it.
4: Yes, oh. but Captain Picard is a very, you know, lonely character, and nobody mm-hmm. in the crew knows that much about him.
2: Right, or, but the difference whatever. being, Star Trek V, we'd known Spock for 20 years, and uh, Picard we known for three. I mean, it's not it's not terribly unreasonable for an ensemble cast where you have just a three year history. Okay, the guy's got a brother. That's not terrible, and a nephew. Okay, that's
1: that's okay. But I mean. How old would Spock be in Discovery? And would would Michael would Michael even be I guess Michael would if if Michael wasn't killed Michael would be alive in TOS era probably, right? Cuz yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I don't I so, so I guess yeah. Spock would then probably oh, I have this pretty, written down. I'm trying to figure have out the, the timeline. Yeah, yeah.
4: Years written down.
2: I think Kenna looked it up earlier actually too. But Spock would be so, on no, Pike's Enterprise. was looking
4: Enterprise it up right into uh, Yeah, I was looking at at who would, Yes, so Spock is currently serving aboard the Enterprise when Discovery comes out because uh, Pike was captain from 2251 to 2262 or 2265 I couldn't quite tell um, so Sp- Spock's old enough to be serving on the Enterprise so she's going to be similar in age to him.
1: What year is Discovery?
4: Discovery is it's supposed to be 55? 2255
2: uh, ish they, they, they got some explaining to do
3: so Spock is even though this is ten years before what we know of the original series, Spock Part is already serving uh with under Captain Pike
4: under Captain Pike, yeah, so the okay. um, the cage was happening around about the same time as the beginning of discovery
2: okay okay all right you know, we can, and they can and they can fool with that too. they can move yeah. it a few years back and forth. I mean no one's ever nailed it down exactly when that was, but i mean i think I think it's contemporaneous enough with. Spock's career in Starfleet. That these two have an overlapping childhood of some kind, and they're going to tell a story, and that's fine. And and then and if and again, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They're they're going to do something with it, but this is one of those dangers of recycling all the old characters. Like I keep on saying, why did it have to be Star Why did it have to be Sarek? Why? Why did it, Why couldn't it have been somebody else? So I, I mean, mean, but I think that's that's one of the things that they're going to you know a conflict they're going to run into.
3: Yeah, you've said that you we've said that time and again you know is why why bring in these original series characters but i think that for for a new star trek series bringing in completely new character here's what uh, let me phrase it this way some of enterprise's best episodes were episodes that answered questions from the original series or the next generation or deep space 9 or voyager it was mostly tng and, and tos sure where they elaborated on stories that could not have been elaborated on on those other series. Sure. Right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so there I think that there has to be a bit of an anchor, something of familiarity for fans to be able to cling to. Yes. And if they're going to tell the story and they're going to retcon that that Spock had an adopted sister, look, if it's going to tell the story, if they're going to if they're going to justify it surrounded by a room of of people who have been hired to keep canon honest, then I'm okay with it.
2: So, what they're going to do is take like the worst part of Star Trek V that everybody hated, and they're going to redo that again, except this time with the woman.
1: Well, I think that that's hyperbole, but well, that's
2: what I'm that's my that's my specialty around here.
1: Every, 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 every series of Star Trek did what Elijah is saying that there was an anchor. Every single series. So, T, so TNG. Brought in first episode cameoed, Bones. DS9 first episode cameoed Picard, Voyager first episode cameoed started on DS9 before it took off, and Enterprise a little differently, but it ended it kind of ended with Riker in a terrible way. Oh, no, no, they had they had
2: uh, they had um, Cochrane. They had uh, the they had uh, uh, the actor who played Zephren Cochran, Cochrane James.
1: Cromwell? Probably. Cromwell. They, was they he Cromwell. Did you see the first episode? Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. So they, they,
2: they, that's a handoff though. That's yeah. I think different than handoff. it
1: is. But you know making... what? Either way, I don't flipping care. I think there's always there's all this speculation about oh the Klingons, oh the Michael, oh the serialize, oh the lens flare and all these things. Mm. I don't care. Just I'm not gonna make any judgments. I'm excited about it. Let's get the show on the screen. I'm pretty convinced they're going to do a good job. It's going to be a good show. And if Mm -hmm. they take liberties in different ways and people saying, Oh, it doesn't look like TOS. The technology is too advanced. I don't care. Right. Just make a good show and make it truthful to star Trek. And all is forgiven. It doesn't really matter. Just as long as you make a good show. when JJ, when the teasers and trailers for the first JJ movie came out, I was ecstatic. And then it came out and it's like, it wasn't true to Roddenberry for me. So it didn't resonate. Um, and, and and so I didn't really care what it looked like. I thought, hey, that's a good idea. You're going to retcon cone. We'll do this kind of thing, and 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 that okay, that makes sense. That could work. Um, but it did uh, for me. It didn't work. As long as they they're true to what Star Trek is, and like you said, like they said in the interview, that they're keeping it true to modern day problems and and having these morality plays kind of thing. And I'm really excited about ser- being it serialized as opposed to trying to trying to be too old school and making episodic and A stories with B story lines. Up. it's gonna it's, it it could be great. If it's great, then I don't care. I wouldn't even know what Michael is. I mean, maybe Michael is Michael uh uh Sarah's wife's Sarah's wife's daughter no. or adopted daughter yeah, they or? made it very
2: clear that there's no genetic no, relationship a,
1: her, her just her some
3: adopted. died and yeah she's they, adopted.
1: She's she's
2: adopted.
3: You bring it's fine. Up- you brought up uh, two points. Um, one of them about JJ, and the one and the second about Klingons, and we'll use the Klingon one to segue into the next topic. But one of the differences about this series now that we've had the panel at San Diego Comic Con and then a lot of the Entertainment Weekly articles that have been coming out over the last several weeks is that one one point they keep pushing is that the writers actually like Star Trek right that they actually are surrounding themselves with people who are Star Trek experts who know the canon who can speak Klingon and correct incorrect Klingon um you know the, 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 there is a passion about the creative behind the creativeness of this series that I didn't feel and actually was was blatantly said about the JJ verse you know JJ unabashedly said, yeah, I don't really like Star Trek. (laughs) Whereas, you know, from the get-go, even though the show was delayed several times, from the get-go, Brian Fuller, an adamant fan, right? Just a die-hard fan of the series. And everybody who was brought on board afterwards also admittedly said, Oh, I've been going to start, you know, look at um Akiva Goldsmith I've been, in the in the panel. He's saying, "Oh, I I was going to the Star Trek conventions in the 70s with, you know, my mom sending me off with my with my siblings to some random hotel room in the city." Um so and, and that that is that is igniting uh, that that hope, that like real good excitement that, "Yeah, you know what? This show probably won't be that bad. It'll probably be great." And especially if you watch that trailer, right? So now The second point that you made was about klingons right that you know there's been a lot of hullabaloo over the new look of the klingons and and uh you know what we can expect from them but one thing that i appreciated was the fact that they're going to be speaking klingon and we're gonna have to read subtitles that's that's epic that's awesome i love that right we're gonna get to explore the klingon culture in a way that that was we we never could before, right? The Klingons have always been this kind of the problem child, the problem children of of the Federation, right? It's been they're they're in civil war or they're they're arguing with the Federation because they're too peaceful and all. Oh, we just want to battle and bat left and blah. But here we're going to get to explore
4: and and they've been kind of comedic, you know. In things like uh, the Next Generation, they were almost played for comedy. I know they were very serious, but um, no, that's just down I mean. Wrong. No, oh, no, but even come on, Lursa and Bator, like, give me a break. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's the you there's know, the
1: Klingon that tried to headbutt Data, and they were trying to be a little. Yeah. They, they'll they'll kind of look at it as uh, look how awkward and weird and, and different these uh, these Klingons are when they're trying to deal with humans and eating human food, and so they'll 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 mm. they'll tongue and cheek it a little bit sometimes. Uh, I, I agree with Kenna.
4: Yeah. Um uh, this one um this this portrayal of Klingons though looks very much more like um like we're going to learn about Klingon culture as Klingon culture as opposed mm-hmm. to just um these guys that kind of interact with the Federation on occasion. Uh, does that make sense what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm hoping anyway that we're going to see an inside look more at Klingon culture on its own before we get all the influence of the of the Federation. I'm almost get- a little
2: afraid of that. Because that starts to weave into this is gonna take itself way too seriously territory. I mean part of the I'm cool with quote, that. Eh, part of the part of the fun of Star Trek is that sometimes it doesn't take itself that seriously. And you do have you do have little moments of the Klingons around the table at Star Trek Six, you know, like I was saying, eating their food funny. You know, it was just it's just, it's just culture clashing and it's people trying to work past their own prejudices about oh that's maybe they don't have forks over there. We didn't think of that. I mean, there are some funny bits about trying to get along with people. I understand we're at war in this particular set, uh, setting. That's, that's, I mean, some may have a bigger influence on that now, but I'm—I'm I'm that makes me almost a little afraid that some of the not-taking-themselves-so-seriously stuff is going to get completely lost in translation, forgive the pun, uh, if we're always making the Klingon speak Klingon, if they're always perceived as a big, gigantic threat and massive armor, you know, I think it's almost a different type of caricature at that point. Um, and rather that's than seeing funny. them as, 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 you know, it's them and us, not us and them trying to work stuff out. And again, we're at war, that's fine. But, I mean, I think we, that shouldn't get lost. I hope that isn't lost.
1: I think it's important for the show to take itself seriously. That's different than having some levity here and there. Um, if the show doesn't take itself ser- seriously, then I don't think it's going to be really accepted by by modern audiences it's it's uh, if it starts becoming too much of a parody of itself then then i'll just go watch orville i mean it's right. it's uh, if and that's this is a similar problem we've had with for instance with just making star trek online or even making city of heroes and champions um there's there's people who who think that comic book game comic book you know comic books in general are just goofy and silly because they say oh comic book pow bam you have these you know Automatopoeia kind of thing on the screen. It's so silly. But comic book stories are really, really powerful. And if you look at the original Hulk, which kind of took it, didn't take itself so seriously, it was terrible. Now, the new ones are taking themselves a lot more seriously. That's different than going dark, but they take themselves seriously, and they have some levity in it. Would um, you say
2: gritty, Al? Gritty? Is that the word maybe you DC is gr- <laughs> DC is gritty. I don't think Marvel
1: is gritty. Um, I... I I, uh, I just think they need to pace it. If they make the show too dark and serious where it's constantly just brutal, and I kind of like that kind of television, but it may not be ring true for Star Trek, I think it has to have ups and downs. So it has, mm-hmm. to, have, it has to have pacing. It can't just be Breaking Bad or just constantly awful, awful. But I would say if, if they had done Voyager like they did Battlestar Galactica, Voyager would have been a lot more popular show. Yeah. If they had been, if they had, if Voyager would have been all about Year of Hell, Voyager would have been amazing. Right. I still like Voyager a lot, but I think it would have been a lot more amazing if they had taken it a lot more seriously. Yeah. yeah, but we just can't have
3: Data's days, you know. Like we can't have episode Data's day, right? We just can't. It's not gonna. You'll tune like into a the Orville for that. Right, 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 right. Now, speaking of Klingon culture, we're gonna have links in the show notes to um, several images that were taken from the display they they had rented an art gallery over in San Diego Comic-Con and they had displayed artifacts from the show so for instance the Star the various Starfleet uniforms and the Klingon uniforms and you know I got to say I'm I'm impressed I so I've never been a big fan of of Klingons but I am I I'm digging the style I really am digging this kind of biomechanical extension um who's um who's the Creator, the artist behind like Alien, H.R. Oh, Geiger. That's H.R. Geiger.
4: Yeah, it's a bit Geiger, isn't it?
3: The Klingon armor has a very organic feel, a Geiger feel to it. You know that that it's it's almost an extension of their own body. Mm-hmm. And in one of the descriptions of the panel, um, it says that the, like the helmet unfolds into itself, so it, like kind of opens up and goes into the mm-hmm. collar, which is only probably going to be done by CGI. But even but that's that's sexy. That's like re- that's really cool. Now. On the flip side, there's a meme going around that they stole the style from a snippet of of Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Yeah, the guy in the front row. (laughs) The guy in the front row is wearing a kind of an outfit that looks very similar (laughs) to the
4: Klingons. It looks very similar. It's funny.
2: Yeah. yeah. What well, was that earlier about Al about about being a parody of a parody of itself? Something about like that. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that?
1: Um, I always thought I thought it looked a lot. The armor the, looked uh, a lot like um, the Necromonkers from uh, from uh, uh, um, Pitch Black. That's what it reminded me of. Ah, okay. Pitch Black, this, the second, uh, the Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Necromongers yeah. there. It was a little. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it reminded me of. It's, well,
2: yeah. Eventually, they steal everything from everywhere because I think the new Klingons look like the Louis Costa Jr. from Enemy, uh, Enemy Mind. So, I mean, it's everyone's got these influences uh, because
1: they got a little, you know, their cone, a little shape pointy
2: head thing, a and, you know, head. To,
1: mm-hmm, yeah.
2: So, I think yeah, everybody steals everything from everywhere—a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But as long as it looks fine on screen and makes sense, that's it's it's good. Uh, but I think that everything we can, everyone can agree that the new phaser is a work of art.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. can I can I offer a community question? Sure.
2: sure. As long as it's about offer, the phaser.
1: Uh, no, I. Uh, uh, how excited are you to to see? You know, what would you like to see from Discovery on Star Trek Online? That's a very good oh. question. Mm-hmm. That's a very okay. good question. So, well, Kling, Klingon armors, the weapons, ships, whatever. I mean, I don't know what we're going to get, and I can. And well, it's I do, true. but but uh, whether or not what 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 could happen. But uh, I'd like to see what people are most excited about seeing. Um, That's an If it was to, if if it was to happen,
4: mm-hmm.
1: what would you like it to is,
4: see? Uh, same prime timeline, so... <laughs> well, like that ever stopped you.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Not yeah. Um, now, if all the news from SDCC wasn't enough, Entertainment Weekly is still popping out some Discovery exclusives. Next week, while we're at Vegas, their next issue will include three cover variants and never-before-seen photos. Now, their website teases the issue with a live description of a scene being filmed where the Discovery is being attacked by Klingons. In the first take, Jason Isaacs, who plays Captain Lorca of the Discovery, ad-libs, Fire at something, for God's sakes! I'm not sure about my impression there. We'll see. Uh, But the director yells cut, and Kirsten Beyer gives Isaacs a note. You can't say God. Gene didn't want religion in Star Trek. And Isaacs replied, quote... How about, for f- f- sake, can I say that? To which buyer replies, you can say that before you can say God. End quote.
2: All right, so I have, I have a problem with this on multiple levels. First of all, did we just forget the TOS episode with the Romans, uh, at the end of which Horace uh, gives a nice speech about it's not, they're not talking about worshipping their son, they're talking about worshipping the son of God. I mean, and every other reference to Chip, uh, I almost said Chipotle, Chicotes. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, his Oops. little his, his vision <laughs> and stuff that he did and uh uh even even Spock's meditation stuff and I mean come on religion is is D, the entire series of ds9 please mm. I mean yeah. religion's a big part of Star Trek period and the second problem I have with this is it's somebody ad-libbing something in a heat-of-the-moment situation and they're trying to, you know, get into their character and feel the moment and it's a very relatable thing. You're just expressing frustration. Like, just shoot something, people. I mean, there's explosions and things. Just make it happen. And, you know, don't take, don't take the actors out of the moment. You're going to constrict them. Let them feel their character. Maybe Captain Lorca says, for God's sakes, a lot. Like, T.O. Gray Hot. I just made a rhyme all the time
4: frankly i think that in our perfect utopian future society it's a lot less or it's a lot more likely that they've eliminated the word than uh, that they've eliminated god right
2: yes exactly i mean it's clear that religion is no longer a thing it's no longer a political force people no longer kill each other over it i mean mm-hmm. that that much is absolutely clear but it has not disappeared uh, i think
1: that's i think i agree with you tony i think it's a little it's a little it doesn't make sense i mean it always comes back to Star Trek V, right? Because it's all about... God, right? <laughs> oh, so yeah, so I forgot that one. Circle. It's full Clearly. circle, right? Yes. But what I will say about that that I think is interesting is, and I think the takeaway is, how seriously they are trying to be strict and taking Star Trek seriously, mm-hmm. right? Even if they were maybe took it too far, they're really mindful of being true to what Star Trek is. Right. So I think that's a really important takeaway from that. Uh,
2: yeah. The balance though is you got to trust those actors. I mean they're going to he'll, he'll say for God's sake, not all oh, that time I was on Altair 6 with the three-headed alien with I mean uh, you know they've got the script and they'll work with it, but I think uh, that one might have that, that one might have been just a bit too far. And if they're yelling cut for that, that's got to discourage people. That's got to discourage people. I
4: don't know. I think it's a charming little anecdote that kind of gives you a glimpse behind the scenes and the kind of mindset they're all in. I, th- I think it's fine. I think it's a cute anecdote.
3: You see, here's what I'm kind of curious about most uh, in terms of the filming of Discovery. When they get hit by a torpedo, is it still shake level
2: 7? God, I hope so. I hope so, too. I absolutely hope so. I absolutely hope so. <laughs> they did say that their lights blinked, though. That's that, that, That's got to be good, right? They can, like, indicate how bad the hit is by turning off more lights. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, you know, if, you know, we turned off all the lights, dude, you should be, like, falling to the floor. I think that's a good visual cue. So, you know, the way they have it set up, they've got lights that'll turn off now. So when the Klingons hit you really hard, I mean, all the lights should go off. We should, like, be, like, thrown all over the bridge when the Klingon torpedoes hit. Because they're not going to tell you it's coming in their language, which you wouldn't know unless you got a Duolingo program that's due to be released in early to mid-September, just in time for Star Trek Discovery. They're looking for alpha testers in August. Ideally, people who have used the Duolingo translation program before, but just don't know Klingon. See the link in our show notes for more information, and, uh, ka-pla. Now, let's
3: find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. But before we do, Al, thank you so much for stopping by to talk about Star Trek Discovery with us.
1: Uh, thank you very much. I'm always uh, very happy to come and talk about Trek of any sort, and I look forward to seeing you guys in Vegas and everybody at Vegas. Be sure to uh, check out our panel and check out uh, and stop by the, our Meet the Devs. Uh, there'll be a time will be announced for that. So I can uh, look forward to seeing everybody, and look forward to being back on Party once soon.
3: Absolutely. Take care, Al. Thank
2: you. Bye bye. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message.
3: I'm only in the mood for good news
4: today. Well, Captains, welcome once again to Sto News, where we're bringing you all the latest updates from Star Trek Online.
2: Now that we're well into week two of season 13.5, we've had more details of the bonus you can get by assembling all three pieces of the House Martok Skirmisher configuration set, available from the featured episode Brushfire. Quick reminder, you get the Engineering Console House Martok Defensive Configuration for playing the featured episode in any week. This week, week two's reward is the House Martok Transphasic Torpedo Launcher, and next week, week three's reward is the House Martok 360-degree Energy Weapon. Using all three of these pieces on a ship will activate the three-piece set bonus, Explosive Shearing Torpedo Modification. Another good bunch of Babble there. Long story short, using a special torpedo attack like Torpedo Spread leaves a lingering damage resistance debuff on the target.
4: So, I love the guys at, at Star Trek Online. This is possibly the least compelling three-piece set bonus ever. Possibly, maybe <laughs> maybe it's Explosive just the wording.
2: Shearing? I kind of like that. It's no, kinda... no, no.
4: It's, it, yeah. it, but it just, it, well, it says, the description is that it leaves a, 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 a damage resistance debuff for a short time it's it, it just it just really I mean maybe it's a really good yeah. damage resistance it, debuff, but it just is like the name
2: oversells it. Yeah, the name yeah, does oversell it. Yeah. But yeah.
4: like, mind, mind you, I will say that we haven't seen the actual stats. It's not like I don't know, maybe it's like a minus a hundred percent resistance. Sure. Um it probably isn't. But um yeah, it's um <laughs> the description leaves something to be desired, I have to say. But but uh more more torpedo stuff. Which is great. Which is great to see. I don't fly torpedoes, but like, potentially, potentially I would. Hopefully you
3: don't fly torpedoes. What I mean uh, is I don't
4: run uh, torpedoes on my ship. Uh, I don't put. I don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those of you at home who can't see that, Elijah just did the whole uh, Doctor Strange like, love like, the nuclear uh, bomb thing uh, down, uh, <laughs> yeah, out of the bomb bay of the B fifty two. So
4: yeah. Uh, there, there will be none of good that Good TV,
2: not good radio, but really good TV yeah. <laughs> uh, That was good
4: uh, Yeah, so uh, But yeah, it's nice um, You know, I, like I said I don't really use torpedoes I know there's a very vocal torpedo uh, Fan group that likes to use Torpedoes, and it's nice to be able to, to Have a little bit of uh, torpedo, um,
2: torpedo Yeah, but love. you got to bounce that energy weapon On there to get the bonus, and that's going to make torpedo people.
4: Well, you know, this is something that we talked about... Oh, God, I can't remember who we talked about it last with. But this idea that it, Star Trek Online isn't very good at uh, at encouraging you to run a ship with both energy weapons and projectiles. And part of that's the way that the skill tree is set up, isn't it? They're separated. Yep. Um, I, I still kind of am waiting for that day because I really... Oh, man, can you imagine flying a galaxy... Class, you know, with your phasers and with your photon torpedoes and
2: cannon with one end, cannon with one cannon end, cannon
4: with one end, setup. <laughs> Set up. Yeah, it would be wonderful. I would love to, to to be able to do something that would make that viable because theoretically it totally makes sense, but in practice, it just never quite happens. Can, I,
3: can look? Here's the here's the thing about it is that yes, it is separated on the skill tree.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: However, if you are Playing the game casually, to enjoy the featured episodes and the story mission at normal difficulty, you can very easily run your cannon with one end ship style, like a Galaxy class with, you know, a full be- with a beam array and, and torpedoes sure. in the front and the back, and you s- and you will not struggle. No, right? You can go ahead and tear down the shields and then shoot your torpedoes just like you do in the episodes.
2: And then conversely, you have absolutely no need for any specialty sets.
3: Conversely, you no know, need for any specialty sets. That is correct. When we start getting into these types of discussions, we're really talking about players who want to cut through enemies like a hot knife through butter, right? And 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 feel that, yeah, my ship is the most powerful ship I've ever created in the history of ever things. But if you are a casual gamer... Run your run your galaxy class ship with your phasers and your torpedoes, and even out the stats as you develop your skill tree, or maybe put a little more into into energy weapons and a few points into torpedoes just to get a, a bit of a kick to it. But we should be very careful about describing this as like a big no no that you really should not run torpedoes and phasers. Perhaps maybe dedicate one weapon slot to your torpedoes and the rest phasers so that you can actually do some significant damage a, a little bit and sure you're wasting wasting that one energy slot that one weapon slot with the torpedo but heck man now I'm really playing the game and now it really feels like an episode yeah
4: well I, I and I would qualify that you know I'm not what they call a DPSer, I'm not a min-maxer. My my issue is that I'm really at Star Trek Online for the content, so I like the fact that I've set up my ship, and it does cut through things, like a hot knife through butter, because I I kind of like the satisfaction of shooting things, but mostly I just want to get through the shooting bits as as quickly as possible so I can carry on with the story. Um, And um, if I can do that by having eight beams, and it's slightly harder with six beams and two torpedoes. Uh, it, because of my play style, it's hard for me to to be convinced. But no, you are absolutely correct. I was probably a little harsh saying that like it discourages you um, from from running those type of builds. It's just the way things are currently set up. Um,
1: there are more it's, efficient it's
4: ways. It's a
3: traditional. Yeah, there are right. more efficient it, way ways to get there. The way it's currently set up, it's. It's a traditional MMO where you have a skill tree and you got to, You have to pick what type of damage you want to deliver. Yeah. And that's, you know, the nature of it is that Star Trek, you know, we're not dealing with mages and wizards and tankers and that you would in a fantasy MMO.
4: You're not going to be ranged and heavy weapon, are you? Right. <laughs> Pretty right. much anywhere, which is fair.
0: I wonder if they have ever considered making, you know, like they have the heavy weapon slots now for escorts? Mm-hmm. Mandatory torpedo slots.
4: Oh, like a separate...
0: Yeah, com- a separate, completely separate. Separate weapon. And it's an
4: interesting concept.
0: They could change the skill tree, so rather than going into energy weapons and torpedoes, it's just weapons. All right, yeah. And you have your mandatory torpedo slots and your mandatory energy weapon slots, and they split the bridge officer abilities as well into torpedoes or kinetic and energy and then that way everybody would be running with torpedoes because as we just said the reason why most people don't do it is because it's not very efficient you can do it you can do it effectively but it's just not very efficient
4: uh well so moving on to another one of the features from season 13.5 that we just we sort of touched on last week but we didn't quite Um, get to explore it very much. That was the Endeavor system. So uh, by the time we recorded last week's episode, it had only been out for really a couple of days, so we didn't get to experience it very much. But uh, Winters and Tony, I know, have played the Endeavor system. Elijah, I think, has. I haven't actually got to try it very much because I've just been doing other things. But um, I wanted to kind of get your guys' impression of it. Particularly, I have a a few questions. and actually I'm going to start with the one that is probably the biggest one the reward are the rewards worth it are the rewards worth logging in every two to three days um, to do that thing
3: I think it was worth it for me I mean i um, like for instance today it was run a, a an r and d project for a very rare component so that took all of like three clicks and I got a Boatload of energy credits and fifty marks mm-hmm. um, of my choice. That I, you know, for for little to no work, that was pretty
0: straightforward. Okay. Yeah, I think that it, it's been out for a week, and like, there's nothing difficult about the tasks that you're assigned. Like Elijah said, you had that one there, focusing on the R&D system. Um, mm-hmm. The very first one, if I remember right, was destroy fifteen Borg vessels. So, okay. jump into a red alert. That's a right say, you know, yeah. to... uh, and in an affected space and uh, you know that's that one done now Winters
3: well, how much how much what were the rewards for like the Borg one I didn't get to do the Borg one
0: I got actually pretty similar to you I got a, a nice chunk of energy credits I got some R&D materials and I think I got a thousand of lithium mm-hmm.
2: it's not bad it's not bad it's a little you know extra thing to do. I mean, it's perfect. I, 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 the rewards didn't seem out of proportion yeah. to the work I did. Right, right. Plus, I mean, plus you get whatever rewards come from the mission anyway. Right. So, I think it's got a lot of potential. Or whatever it is you're doing. So. Yeah, and for me, it's just, you know, if it was stuff that I would I might do anyway or, or I was interested in doing or already was set up for, it, it takes nothing to just do it and boom, you're done. But, you know, I might not have gone into a board Red Alert or done Infected I might not have if that if that thing hadn't been there, but I did and it was fine and I got the stuff. Um, you said today was the R&D thing. Yep. Sure, why not? If I log in, boom, that's easy. But if it's not something I want to do anyway, like the ground affair, it's not the reward levels are not enough to entice me to go do something that I wouldn't already kind of enjoy doing anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. I wouldn't like if if that was the reward for that I got today for fair ground, I probably wouldn't have done it.
4: Well, I was going to ask that question actually. Do you think that it's going to, um, for existing players who maybe only play once a week, do you think that the Endeavor system is going to entice those players to play more often? Or do you think this is actually just going to give players who already log in multiple times, just going to give them more stuff, thereby further sort of um expanding the 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 distance between the really casual players and the uh elite players.
3: No, I think it's I think it's going to be a mix of both. I think that for for the casual player actually if anything it's if for the casual player that logs in once a week it's like oh it's another thing I have to do uh <laughs> in addition to all the chores and the and the, the admiralty and the bobs and you know it's it's kind of that feeling. Um, whereas for existing players, it's like, oh, cool! I can trigger this. I'm already in the game. Let me let me take care of it. Yeah. Um, but I'm more. I think I lean more towards. Ooh, I can you know R and D. That's easy. Let me do that real quick. Bloop and fifty marks and you know over a million EC is pre- what I'm pretty sure I got.
2: I see it. I see it as a tool to engage in- to increase their uh, time per login. I really, yes. I mean, yes. that's, yeah. I think what it'll okay. do is it'll take people that are already logging in at whatever rate they're currently logging in and it'll encourage them to stay in for the extra five minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is right. it takes to complete okay. that thing. I, and, and and that's valuable in and of itself for their own internal stats because, as we all know, cheeks and seats, the more time people spend playing the game, the more likely they are to bring cash to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I think that even those marginal or incremental uh, amounts are are, are going to be good for them. Uh, but I, I think that if they wanted people to di- to dial in to, to do it, they'd have to really either target people with boosted rewards or they would have to uh, somehow communicate to them that you're getting a special endeavor because we want you to log in.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: maybe they can do that uh, later on, but it's not there yet.
0: Um, I'll tell you one thing that I was very surprised with and that was that the Endeavors are account bound uh, Mm -hmm. essentially they're not actually covering all characters on the account so if you do the Endeavor and you switch to another character to do the Endeavor again on another tune, it ain't there. And I was very surprised.
4: Now, we're going to cover some more listener feedback when we get to uh, the feedback section. But um, I just wanted to mention that Joey Brooks Rose actually said this as as part of our community question for this week. Um, Yeah, he pointed out that that the rewards are account-based. So if you do an Endeavor once, that's it. You can't do it on all of your other characters. Um,
0: I have mixed feelings about that. Me too because I had initially went to go and do the endeavor. I was like, oh, this is a really Mm. easy endeavor. Mm. I'll do it on all my tunes. And I switched and there's no endeavor. I was like, what the hell? And I didn't realize that this was going to be account-based.
4: Yeah, but you know what? We were talking before the show, and you made a really good point, Winters, that if you could do the endeavors on every single one of your characters, then that's that is giving uh, people with a huge amount of characters like a massive level up think of it if the rewards were dilithium because you could you can kind of transfer dilithium between yourself you said it's going to inject a huge amount of dilithium into the game with well we already know we've got an issue with you know some of the currencies and not having enough to spend them on so um i can kind of see why they did it but it doesn't it doesn't kind it doesn't really make sense on the same account yeah
0: I'm kind of on the fence with it alright it's only been around for a week and I only got Dilithium like two or three times between Mm -hmm. all the endeavors I would imagine that it would inject a lot of Dilithium into the game Uh, Mm. see it depends it's a hard one to call you know like would people that have multiple characters do it on all their tunes? maybe they would oh yeah they would
4: my, my last sort of question, actually, about the Endeavor system. Do you think it's actually changed a little bit the way you play? Like, has it led you to try new things? Or, or is it just sort of a, oh, I'll go do this thing for three seconds and I'll go back to what I was doing before.
0: Well, it almost did. Because I, <laughs> almost. Yeah, it almost did because I was going to do one of the Endeavors on all of my tunes And then I found out I couldn't. And I went, oh, well, okay. Yeah. And that was it. I logged out.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough.
2: I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a behavior changer. I think it's... They just want to stretch out the time that people are logged in a little bit.
4: So to sum it up, it's a nice little, nice little addition, but um, probably not a game changer, as it were.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And finally this week in console news, the Infinity Lockbox is finally coming to Xbox One and PlayStation 4. There's an event on at the moment, which runs now through September 5th all previous lockboxes have now been permanently retired. But instead, the Infinity Lockbox will include a selection of prizes from nearly all of them. Additionally, some of the prizes to be won have never before been available on console. Presuming that this is like the PC version of the Infinity Lockbox, these will be available in random drops close to the start of the new season or half season, when a brand new lockbox comes out. Some clever people might even infer that we're expecting season 13.5 on console on the 5th of September. If you've already got a stockpile of other retired lockboxes, then don't worry. They will still behave as normal. And of course, all lockboxes, including the Infinity lockbox, will need a master key to open them. Those can be bought in the C-Store for 125 zen or off the exchange for the low price of your right arm. Once again, the Infinity Lockbox is dropping randomly in the console version of Star Trek Online right meow and will continue to do so through the 5th of September.
0: In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. Most fleets in STO have a fleet credit requirement that has to be reached in order to be promoted to gain access to the fleet stores. And often the case is that many players already have a build-up of fleet credits from other fleets that they were in. Well today's tip is a little trick that you can do to increase your overall holding contributions within your fleet and get you over that initial requirement so that you can be promoted. The first thing that I want to point out is that your fleet starbase needs to be at least level 1 in order for this to work. Assuming that it is level 1, you obviously need to go to your fleet starbase. From there, walk straight out of the transporter room and go across to the other side, down the ramp, into the area where the officer of the watch is. To your right hand side you will see an NPC contact that you can interact with. From there, a store will open up with a full list of duty officers you can purchase. What you're looking for is the Fleet Common Quality Duty Officers that cost 500 fleet credits. You can buy as many of these as you wish and you are only limited by the amount of fleet credits you currently have. This pack, when opened, will give you one common quality, random duty officer. Now, as I'm sure many of you are aware, duty officers will give you 300 fleet credits for each one donated, except for civilians, which will give you 250 fleet credits for each one donated. So think about this for a second. You purchase DOFs from your fleet using only fleet credits then donate them back to the fleet via the fleet projects, and you get more fleet credits back. Now, obviously, you will run out of fleet credits eventually, but the point is that your overall holding contributions always goes up. This little trick can be very useful for fleet leaders or anyone who wishes to help their fleet out by putting projects on cooldown. For more information, we will leave a link in the show notes at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO328.
4: Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming
3: in,
2: sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
3: Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: Episode 327's first community question was, We'd love to hear your theories on all the different Klingon looks. Try to avoid the existing theories, and yes, the silly ones count too.
4: Uh, before we get really into the into the meat of this segment, I just wanted to point out that for any of you that are Patreon supporters, we we do actually post our community questions over on Patreon, and you can comment over there, and it's sort of like a private little area for Patreons to to talk to us directly. So um, if you're interested in doing that, go and check it out. Uh, the reason I mention it is because uh, David S, who's one of our Patreon supporters, likes to comment over there, and we get into he he posts. Amazing explanations. This week is no exception. I won't read the whole thing because... And he
3: will be there at Vegas next <laughs> yeah, week.
4: Exactly. I won't read the whole thing because it's rather lengthy, but I did want to just read a small quote of what he said. Now, uh, to summarize, basically there was no problem with Star Trek and the whole different looking Klingons until they like called it out in-universe, and and he says, The entire problem arises with trials and tribulations. All the crew of the Defiant had to do was recognize the Klingons for who they were. They could have made a small side joke about Klingon hairstyles from the period or something similarly minor, but no, they had to draw attention to the fact that the Klingons in TOS looked so different from TNG Klingons that they were unrecognizable. The short scene took a simple production capability issue and turned it into a discrepancy that existed internal to the Star Trek universe. And And he kind of makes the point that like, up until that point, like, there was a lot of fan debate about what had happened, but that whole, the difference and the, the Klingons looking different was really a discussion that happened sort of outside Star Trek and then suddenly da-da it's actually in universe and therefore it's a canon thing. So I thought I thought that was a really good point. And it's fine, David. We like you ranting. You just you just carry on doing it. It's cool.
3: Alright, so here's the thing though, is that I, I recognize that the limitation was was production and budget, but I, I like the fact that they went back and gave a story to explain it, and a pretty decent story at that. I mean, you know, in Enterprise. First of all, the story wasn't didn't go into detail in Deep Space Nine. It was a, an exchange where Worf says we don't talk about it with outsiders, and then and then in Enterprise, they they go. There's a whole episode arc. Is it a two parter? I think it's a two parter, where. You know, there it's a it's a it's a virus that was created by Sung, and yeah, it, blah blah blah. It's a two parter so, if you just count the
2: Klingon part, but then if you f- fold in the whole Sung arc, it's like four or six. It's like a lot, yeah. Right, right.
3: But it, and even and but that episode again. This these were episodes that I mentioned earlier during Trek it out where these these were anchored stories that I liked them. Expanding upon Star Trek Online is doing that, and it's some of the best featured episodes that they produce, where they expand on little things that were thrown at us. Like, for instance, the the species that build the spheres, which were also the species that abducted, do you mean or the Riker. Yes, the Sphere Builders, and you know, like they, that, they gave a story to those to those characters. Otherwise, we
2: just wait, really wait a minute. Got do you mean the Sphere Builders episode. or do you mean the Solanae?
3: The Solanae.
2: Right, yeah. Because the Sphere Builders are from Enterprise, and they're the ones that are the time-traveling guys we blow up with the Enterprise J. No, the okay, Solon, The
3: clicky people. So I, I tend to appreciate it. Now here's, and I think I tweeted this out when the whole Klingon debate started up and blah, blah, blah. I, you know what would really impress me with this whole Klingon thing and why they look differently or not? It would really impress me if there comes a point in Discovery where we see all three four all four variations of Klingons on the show right because you kind of you went into this last week about how you know we are on earth no you know no two humans are identical right no, unless you're twins we're not a
4: monoculture here so why do we expect our alien races to be monocultures or mono races yeah
2: the next bit of feedback kind of goes into that from Ryan Thomas Riddle on Twitter, he says, "I've always thought the Klingon Empire shouldn't have been one race. The powers of the be should have taken a cue from the Roman Empire, different races subjected and pressed into service, military or whatever, and that those citizens would all identify as Klingon. In that way, the Klingon Empire wouldn't have been the anti-federation. Instead of willing members, it would be conquered members. This would easily explain all the differences from TOS to TMP to TSFS to TNG to the Kelvin movies to Star Trek Discovery never care for the whole we don't talk about it or augment virus explanations. Hashtag trying too hard. A conquering empire with conscripted members was implied in this excellent fan work by at Trek comic. So I, mean, I think that kind of gets to where you're at a melting pot almost of the different varieties of Klingons that could exist. Uh, and yeah, I think that would be great.
3: Now, in terms of conquering, I mean, you know, for instance, we are all human here, right? We all share that genome. However, we are different races, right? Now, if they start conquering other planets and other species and calling them Klingon, then obviously that's the, the, you can't call a Gorn a Klingon,
2: right? No, but the Vulcans were the Terran Empire on the Mirror Universe. They were all, you know, they were all the Terran Empire. So that, that's his point, right? But
3: we are human. Klingon is to Klingon as human, as to human or well, Klingon species, is to human. Yeah, you well, know there's a species, yeah. There's a
2: species name, and then there's the empire name, right? Right,
3: right, and the species name is Klingon, but there are variations of the species. Just as we are the species human, and although Tony and I look creepily similar, <laughs> we are still we are still different people, yeah. and with different features that make us the individuals. Right. So I, I would like to see Discovery take the risk uh, by introducing those other the the the. Rippled foreheads that we're used to from TNG, and what we saw in Undiscovered Country, and then what we saw in in the Kelvin timeline—they are at their core the species Klingon, but they are variations of the species, just like we have them here on Earth. I think that would be a bold. I think it would be a bold move and a smart move.
4: I would just like to give a quick shout out to Farktoid in the chat as we record this, who says uh, maybe there's some Klingons in Ridge hashtag. All foreheads matter. <laughs> yeah.
0: From Twitter, John Patrick Annan said, Mirror Universe Klingons who were infected by a mirror augment virus and then came to the Prime Universe.
4: I think that works. That works for me. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From Twitter, Major Magna says, Botched cranial reconstruction. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> Was, we've had but, some exposure you know, to
2: the Klingon. Yeah, we've had some exposure to the Klingon legal system. I think a class action would be appropriate.
4: <laughs> is, is this like real Klingons of Hollywood or yeah, whatever? Yeah, I think I real think Klingons this would work. Of, I think this would work of New Jersey or whatever. I don't
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> from Twitter, Eric Schram says, "I would have someone from our universe go to theirs and find that Klingons have had the same appearance for fifty thousand years, and our show was wrong. No augment virus, no smooth Klingons, no big bulky ones from Discovery. They always look like Worf." Our shows and movies have been wrong.
4: Yeah, that's like breaking the fourth wall a little bit. But I kind of like it. I like it. It's out there.
0: From Twitter, Jocelyn Olson said, So much inbreeding. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, I guess. She's
4: got a point. You know, it's a possibility. Evolution brings They're out really extremes. into their houses. I don't know if they don't like to go outside their own house. I don't know. We don't explore that very much in the whole Klingon lore. Maybe we should find out.
3: <laughs> Travis Reeves tweeted us: "Look, if they can pull dinosaur DNA from the human genome and make that a Star Trek story, I'm fine with the new Klingon book." He's got that a point. Too is
2: true. Yes. That too is true. <laughs> Ken from Chicago says Ken's answer is simplest and best. Earthers can have different races, so why do Klingons? Any aliens? Have to be mono-races.
4: Yes, that is correct. That is the correct answer. He just
2: likes you because you have the same three first letters of your name. That's it. I sense, I sense a conspiracy.
4: From Twitter, Captain Revo says, Uh, points to the Zindi. A little variation is not unusual compared to them. I suspect there may be some alien DNA from races they conquered. Which is very similar to uh, what another one of our listeners said earlier. Uh, Ryan Thomas Riddle, wasn't it?
0: From Twitter, Jason Smith said, Prime Klingons and the Kelvin Klingons had a baby, then that made the discovery prime Klingons
4: also makes sense it explains the lens flare.
0: yes, yeah, the lens flare
2: yeah it just covers up the makeup differences yep
4: <laughs> every time a every time a discovery Klingon is born it's like more <laughs> lens flare,
1: yeah
4: <laughs> it just emanates uh-huh. from the point of origin it just keeps.
2: I'll yeah, that you should stop right there. <laughs> Emanates from the point of origin. Yeah,
0: and scene. Going. We're done. <laughs> right
2: there. Episode 327, the second community question was, What are your thoughts on the new Endeavor system in Star Trek Online? And do you see it changing how you play in the long run?
4: From Facebook, Dan Konescu says, Endeavor system, I haven't had a chance to really dive into it, but I could see this being helpful for reviving old PVE queues if that becomes a main focus of the system.
2: Yeah, but only if people like the cues. Didn't like Deferra, so. Uh, from Tyler Maxwell, we hear I'm more interested in what the Endeavor system could be used for in the future rather than what they've done so far. Many of the objectives in the first week were laughably simple: shoot ten Borg ships, scan a thingy, etc. Over too quickly, and the rewards are a drop in the bucket compared to what I'm used to. It did get me to go to Deferra though, for the first time in maybe a couple of years, so that's something. Well, there, somebody did go to DeFera. So it did change somebody's behavior. That's there you go.
3: On priorityonepodcast.com, Chiyo Omiku wrote in Ah, the Endeavor system. The help me play for five hours a day, earning silver Zen system. I do enjoy anything that extends my game time in between featured episodes, and the encouragement to play older ones from it is amazing. Going back and being able to relive storylines of the past can't beat that. See that's exciting. I do like that. The fact that you get a, an additional bonus right cuz if you rerun a mission depending on the mission especially if it's the main arc, you you get a lower reward, but now you combine that with the new endeavor system that, you know, could be anything anywhere between dilithium or some kind of special item or EC, that's great.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> 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 Oh man
4: (laughs) From Facebook, James Salette says Endeavor System, I think it's great I got players back to DeFera and run the Hive PVE which I'd never done before I hope they increase the scale of it because it brings players together toward a common goal and it is highlighting lesser used portions of the game. Increase the rewards increase the goal requirements and they've got something good Tip of the Week gave me something to do on Nimbus, so thanks for that. Great show. Can't wait to hear you guys dissect more Discovery.
3: Hold on a second. The Endeavor system is just a ca- character base. It's not like a server-wide thing, though. Yeah, it is. No, no. I it don't is. know. But my the my en-
0: success... The Endeavors are server-wide. everybody on the server gets the, the same endeav- en- Endeavor. But yeah. oh, everyone uh, gets the same yeah. endeavor. But there's
2: no there's no server wide incentive. Reward. Yeah, there's no server wide right. reward. Correct, for correct. People
3: Which they do have that feature. Right, right? they got we've, the mechanic. We've seen that yeah. in the past. I think honestly, I think that would be.
2: There's no reason why they couldn't tie them together.
3: Yes, exactly. I think that they should. They really should consider tying the endeavor system with the existing global goal, right? Because then at that point, now. Let's say Tony gets on, and I'm online, and Winters is online, and Kenna is online. Look at that, we have a team, and let's go contribute to the server-wide thing, and then if the server unlocks it, woohoo, look, we got got an additional bonus reward in addition to the independent, you know, R&D. It may not, I'm sorry, Endeavor. It may not work with something like the R&D one, but, like, for missions, that might No, that no actually... it might
2: work. And actually, that might actually also solve the problem of that uh, behavior-changing thing. Like, the initial one could be something that people could do in three seconds. But once you do that, uh, the next one is something that's a little harder, a little more time-consuming. But you're getting the... You've unlocked the, the level one rewards. So you're increasing your rewards for doing the next thing. And the next one's going to be a little more time-consuming, and maybe it's re, uh, resurrecting a, a queue that people don't do very often anymore. But, That'd be great for yeah, queues. But yeah, you've, but you've unlocked two levels of additional rewards, and so that's going to be a little even more rewarding, plus you get whatever the Endeavor reward is, the Endeavor uh, random roll that you get those extra incentives. That could be something that builds the incentive to revitalize some of those older queues. I think they ought to take a look at it. If they have some success with the with the Endeavor system, I think they ought to take a look at merging that with that global system that, that we already know they have.
0: From com Sean Newboy writes, The ancient obelisk has the omnidirectional, but anti-proton. Wonderful show, everyone. Great job. I'm not too impressed by the Endeavor system. Put me down as a meh.
4: Yeah, thank you, Sean Newboy, because that was the one I couldn't remember last week. That's, that's the third of my... Aft omnidirectionals. So thank you very much.
3: And in this week's Title of Tuesday, we had Winters getting up close and personal with other members of the Star Trek Las Vegas convention from 2016. It was a good one, though. This week's winner is Jay Galloway with
2: Oh My. <laughs>
3: <laughs> nice.
2: No, but you can say that about just about everything we do as, as a picture. I mean, you know oh my on everything yeah
3: well that wraps up episode 328 of Priority One a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast for more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, go to podcasts.roddenberry.com
2: before we go here's a reminder of our community question this week from what we know and from what we've seen in Star Trek Discovery, what would you like to see in Star Trek Online? Captains, you
3: know we love hearing from you from week to week, so please leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And more importantly, this week especially, whilst we are at Vegas, you're going to want to follow us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, because we will definitely be
0: tweeting things whilst at Vegas too! And that's at Priority One Pod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can also join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today.
4: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
2: Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Now,
3: Captains, like we mentioned earlier, we will be at Las Vegas next week. So, we will not have a live show on Thursday, August 3rd. Instead, our episode that we publish on the 7th will be chock full of content from Star Trek Las Vegas. But again, more importantly, for live updates from the convention, you're going to want to follow us on social media, facebook.com forward priority1podcast or Twitter at priority1pod. You can bet your bottom dollar we're going to have a follow-up interview with the developers from Cryptic Studios after our panel... So you're going to want to download that episode on the 7th. And of course, a big thanks to Star Trek Online's Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, for stopping by and being our guest host during Trek It Out this week. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweep Media. Speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading all of our social media endeavors and side projects. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper, who will be with us during Star Trek Las Vegas this coming week. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boat But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible
4: enemy ship on sensors
3: red alert shields up
2: ready weapons
3: engage
4: Executive producer Stephen Ricosa, producer Marie. La, 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 hang on. Sorry, there, there's missing punctuation. I don't know who wrote this, but...
2: Okay.
3: No, it's not. It's, it should be more a comma and not a period.
2: Semicolon? I like full stop there.
3: I'm going I'm to... the full stop. You should continue oh, reading yeah. on and tell me whether or not you think there should no, be a full maybe stop. No, not.
4: I probably should have read it beforehand, but anyway...
2: Probably. Probably.
4: Executive producer Stephen Ricosa, producer Maria Rosso, and lead artist Michael Panov will chat with Elijah about how...
0: Who? Who? Elijah. About
2: Elijah.
0: how they, about create, they
4: content create content. content. About how they create content.
2: About how they create content. You make video <sighs> game. About <sighs> how. You content create. <laughs> you here are new. Welcome. Titled...
4: Uh, Shh. Tony, shh. Sh- Ty-
2: <laughs> she hushed you. She she.
3: Yeah,
2: we. Covered, I mean, what, what I said was, if they stopped being a prey species, I mean, maybe they're closer to it in time. That's that's fine, but I mean, I don't think that I, I, the joke was that are they are their cousins still being eaten? I mean, that's that's the funny thing. If they're, if they're still getting. Uh, our cousins are
1: still being eaten
2: by right? lions.
1: What you don't? I, I don't mean like my my cousin, like <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> I mean like I mean like oh, our am wow, So sorry.
0: I'm talking you know,
1: about all the other primates. They get eaten by 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 jaguars and lions and pr- and other predators. And
2: tigers I, I and suppose if you want, to, if you expand your definition of cousin to include include chimpanzees, other chimpanzees,
1: <laughs> chimpanzees get attacked by jaguars. Right, but they're not intelligent.
2: I mean, I mean, they're intelligent, but they're not. I mean, they're not. They're. Uh, what do you want to call them?
1: Who's not it? intelligent?
2: Chimpanzees? Well, no, no, no. They are intelligent. I've seen. i seen my share of Jane Goodall uh, stuff. Yeah, but I mean, they are intelligent, but they're not. I mean, they haven't achieved warp flight. Let's put it that way.
4: Technically, they got sure, into space okay. before we did.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true, but only because we stuck them on top of a rocket and lit it on fire and said, "Good luck." What <laughs> <laughs> is us know if it's safe.
4: <laughs> that's hey. It's, it's the true. end result. It's you true. don't know. You it's, don't know. Maybe that's the way they planned
2: it. That, that could be. The, the prey species, <laughs> the predator species, shut the first being in space and said, uh-huh. let us know if it's safe. And yeah. they're up there and they meet the Ten Federation later, and we're like, hey, congratulations. Federation. You're the first contact people. And they're like, we have this problem back at home. Well,
1: Big T! Big!
2: (laughs) muscle Could you help us out?
3: (laughs) Alright,
4: so, uh, let's... let's... Could you sort out a uniform
2: from my hooves?
3: (laughs) Alright, I'm gonna bring back our Vera to, like, like
2: say, hey, okay, so, um... We gonna let Elijah read any of these? We should let Elijah read a couple. You wanna
3: take the next one, Elijah? Oh, yeah, sure. Am I part of this show? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez!
4: Oh, here we go.
3: I got this. Oh, for heaven's sake.
4: Right. <sighs> Just because I told you to shut up.
3: Via Twitter. <laughs> that was pretty good, though, right? I got, <laughs>
2: that was good. That was really good. Yeah, That's brought, brought a tear to my eye, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, go to podcasts.roddenberry.com. And don't forget to... F- Actually, how sick. Okay.
4: That and don't forget to use she butter on your hair. She butter. Leave, leave in conditioner. Actually, according to Maria Webster, you can do either, but I'm going to go for she because it's listed first. So.
2: <laughs> 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 but before we go, Meow, here's a reminder of our community questions for the week, Meow. Yeah.
3: Only wish, works if she's meow. bouncing. It only, works, it only works if Meow is
2: just. No, 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 you, you have to squeeze him in there wherever you can, Meow.
3: No, it's it's only. All right, Meow. It's only where there's a now that goes to Meow. You can
2: do it whenever. We're going to have to rewatch that scene in Super Troopers. Did you
0: watch all Super right, Troopers? All right,
2: Meow. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> it's been a long road.